deliver us from evil, from the eye and the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's good to see everyone here. Psalm 121 is where we're at this morning. The eyes of Lent, and you'll see as we make our way through the text how significant of a line that is in the midst of crazy fear, crazy anxiety, crazy what next, crazy I got nothing, now what? Let's take a look at Psalm 121. Now, if you have your own Bible with you, this is one of those Psalms where you can underline and highlight, memorize, this is just one of the better psalms, of course, they're all great, uh, but this is a great psalm. I love this psalm. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Great question. Where does my help come from? Listen to this resume. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord will not let your foot slip. The Lord who watches over you will not slumber Indeed, the Lord who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. The Lord will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. The reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Let's pause. We've had a lot of words. And let the last 60 minutes sink in. What a joy, God, and delight to pastor a small church with a great big heart. And so many individual stories of transformation, which is your son Christ's matrix benchmarks of success. One person at a time. In a world of fear that runs away faster than our fastest roller coaster. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from you, God. What is your resume? Shortest line for a resume ever. You are the maker of the heaven and the earth. It is to you, God, that we surrender this day. Teach us now. In your name we pray. Amen. The Office of Presidential Correspondence, anybody know what year that was established? Wow. Ron, presidential questions for 200, please. Oh, yeah, it is in my notes, darn it. You rascal. Established in 1897, 1897 under President McKinley. 
What that meant was that any letter or email that was sent to the POTUS lands at that office. When it was founded, about 100 letters a day arrived, each and every single day, 1897. 30 years later, about 30 years later, when Herbert Hoover was president, that office received 800 letters a day. So we're climbing. Today, the president gets a minimum of 10,000 letters or emails a day. That does not count social media incidents. People who write in have something they're looking for, something that they're seeking, even though they know it'll be very unlikely that the president will even that the president will even see their message. And so they still send it anyway. Because they need to be heard. Because they have nowhere else to go. Many of their letters start with phrases like this. I know no one will read this. Dot, dot, dot. Or this is probably a waste of time. The president reads Let's be honest, probably none of those letters. But someone does. A group of staff members from this office was interviewed in a recent administration. Listen how many people are on staff to read those letters and emails of correspondence. 45 full-time staffers, 35 interns, and 300 rotating volunteers who read the tens of thousands of letters sent daily to the president. What? The staff in this interview shared how incredibly personal so many of these letters were. People would write things like, I'm staying up late at night because I can't stop thinking about this. Anybody here ever do that? Don't answer. <laughs> or they would share something about their current life circumstances. Some of the letters are filled with hope, some of the letters are feared, filled with fear, some were funny, some were, you guessed it, angry. But many were written by people feeling trapped in their own personal situation, and others lamented the state of the world. My favorite, a nine-year-old girl wrote in to ask the president, Mr. President, how can I make more friends at school? Every time I sit in here, and it's not just on Sunday mornings, to pray for people who will be here or who will never be here, I think about those letters. I think about each of you. Think about what I know about each of you and the many things I don't know about the each of you and the things that I know about folks not in here and the things that I don't know about folks that are not in here. I think about in anguish over injustice in the world, fear, anxiety, because those letters that I have read or read about being read represent those who attend church just as much as those who don't and who never will. See, they're cries of people who need an outlet to work through pain as they hold on to hope or at least try really hard to 
in order that there might be some form of simplicity on the far side of incredible complexity. I know that each of these utterances are heard when we actually do pray, not by a staff in an office, but by a God who is the maker of heaven and earth. A God who somehow mysteriously reads and hears and receives and responds personally to each of these utterances. Friends, perhaps the single good news today is a friendly reminder of things that we simply all too often forget. Is that God hears each of us. And the most amazing miracle of all, without a huge staff of interns and paid folk and volunteers. Now that, to me, is amazing. Our time together out of Psalm 121, the eyes of Lent, the eyes of Lent, Where do I turn my eyes to when I need help? When my, what is that thing called again? Bucket? What'd you call it, Len? Bucket. When my bucket is in the ditch. My eyes go to the hills as a metaphor for the God who hears and is the maker of heaven and earth. Four bigs. Four bigs out of Psalm 121 that we can see here through the eyes of Lent. See the big truth here. The big truth here. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. the maker of heaven and earth. The shortest and most profound resume anyone will ever receive in an HR office. No need to go any further. I don't know about you, but when I feel stress, my knee-jerk reaction isn't always to look to the hills where my help might or would certainly come from. Anybody else here feel that way? Get right into the problem-solving mode? Let's work the problem. Let's first define the problem, then then let's work the problem. Lift our eyes to the hills. Our help comes from the Lord, the Maker, of heaven and earth, because we will see what we're looking for. If we're looking for fear and anxiety, we're going to find it. If we're looking for the God of all peace and comfort, we'll find that as well. If we're looking for the worst in folks, we'll see it. If we're looking for a way out that we never thought we could imagine or even dream of, we'll find that too. The Lord the maker of heaven and earth, that's the help available to us. And that, in the words of Richard Rohr, is the big truth here. The big truth. 
Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I lower my voice. I slow my cadence. Because the art form of speaking is to gradually increase the adrenaline of the message to a hyper-inspiring end. And yet, there are times, perhaps, when there needs to just be a full stop. You see, the big truth here is, our help comes from the hills, the Lord God Almighty, the Maker, the Creator, the Redeemer and Sustainer of heaven and earth. Full stop. Pass the plate. Just kidding. Second big thing to see here, see the big constant. You see, this psalm was written for folks who were ascending to Jerusalem on a spiritual pilgrimage. They were trying to go and see God. They were climbing the hills and they were probably singing it on their way there. And yet there was anxiety, there was fear, it was crushing. And we have a few of those today. We got a few FOMOs. We got fears of missing out. We got Phobos. Fears of better options. Fears of the better or better option to come. Frankly, we just got fear. Where do we take it? To the big constant. Why? It's the big truth. My friends, lift our eyes to the hills. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The third big. See the big keeper here. You see, there's a difference between having something and being kept. I have my favorite golf shirt. Or my wife would say golf shirts, plural, multiple. But I have a favorite golf shirt or a favorite sweater or a favorite pair of shoes. They're mine. I possess those. I, I own them. However, I don't own my dog, Bogey. <laughs> I keep my dog, Bogey. Bogey's not a possession. He's my dog. We love our dog. We care for our dog. Our dog is teaching me to grow old right before my very eyes while I watch him lose his eyes and lose his hearing. Bodily functions. My dog's teaching me to grow old because I don't possess my dog. I keep him. I care for him. I nurture him. He's dear to me. I love him. I take him outside. Well, Don takes him outside. <laughs> I watch over him not for my sake, but for his sake. I protect him from harm because if he hurts, so do I. You see, friends, God doesn't have us. God doesn't own us. God keeps us. I don't know if you picked it up through the reading, but six times in these eight verses, this one word appears. Keep. Shamar. Keep. 
God is our keeper. God keeps us. He does not own us. We are God's beloved and immeasurably dear to each of us. Because if we suffer, if we hurt, if we're in pain, it hurts God too. So those big fears that are crushing, take it to the big keeper who has us, protects us, preserves us, suffers with us, walks with us, carries us, upholds us, in the words of Isaiah, with His righteous right hand. So we lift our eyes to the hills. Our help comes from the Lord, our Maker, who is the Maker of heaven and earth. Fourth big, you can see it coming. You got the notes in front of you. See, look for the big preserver here, today, now. What's fascinating about protection is we gain protection by the big keeper by giving up our total independence. So we do things like surrender. I think we sang it. That's the oxymoron. That's the paradox. The deeper the surrender, the more we open ourselves up to the big preserver who becomes our big keeper because that God is our big constant and that's just downright the big truth. When I was a kid, my Grandpa Fred, I've probably talked about Grandpa Fred. Grandpa Fred was about 5'10". German descent, heavy, robust, always wear a union suit either in the summer or the winter. Still can't figure out why in the summer. Uh, But he had his summer thin union suit, one piece, and he had his thicker thermal winter under under long johns. We just called them long johns. I used to wear them playing hockey in Minnesota for obvious reasons. It's freezing there. But Grandpa Fred was just a robust, big German fella, cigar in his mouth, tobacco in the car, Folger's can as a spittoon. Yeah, that's gross, but I love my grandpa. Take us fishing. My grandpa could do no wrong, although he loved to fish, but he was petrified of water. What? So we'd be sitting in these fishing boats, right? My grandpa's side of the boat looked like it was going to sink any second. So I get why he wore his orange personal flotation device. But we were like 20 pounds, maybe that. And we had our big orange flotation devices. And there we were, all four of us and our guide, sitting in a boat, being sustained by the big, not life preserver, but the big preserver, who's also our keeper, who's also our constant. Because that's just downright the big truth of it all. So we lift our eyes on the hills. Our help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. 
And even though we may lose our grip on God, I'm here to tell you the good news this morning, and it's simple and I'm almost done. God never loses God's grip on us. So release ourselves. Release yourself. Release the community into this type of rejuvenating rest right here, right now. Full stop. Let it go deep. Why? The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. What else do we need? You see, through the grounding experience that many of you or many of us are going through right now, we're learning to see all of life as a holy conversation, as a well, a third place. And third places are not a new concept. They've been around, especially in the Northwest, is where I think they started about 20 years ago. A third place is a way and a location transforms itself depending on its usage. If you took a driveway, for example, as a first place, that would be a, a pavement you drive your car on to get off the street and get into your garage. As a second place, and I remember this as a kid growing up, it became a basketball court, mostly for my mom and dad's sanity. Go outside and play basketball. Subline, unspoken, you're driving me crazy. Mom, it's raining out. We don't care. We don't care. We got towels, boys. That's a second place. Third place for a driveway is that's the that's the pavement that you walk up and down to retrieve your mail or your garbage cans. Right at the same time another neighbor is walking by who you don't see very often but over the course of the last 2 weeks has walked it every day just about the time you've come home from work. Downcast trodden, sad, and it's an opportunity as a third place to engage in a tiny conversation, to listen to a story, to find out that recently his wife passed away and he's got nothing else better to do and he knows that if he sits around in his house, he'll get more and more depressed. So he makes himself, he forces himself to go outside. He's trying to lift his eyes to the hills, but he just can't get there on his own. And as serendipity would have it, you meet him at the right place at the right time. And as you listen to his or her story, you just might be the right smile, the right relationship, the right conversation at the right time. To model that the big preserver is here. That the big keeper is not off duty. The big constant of that will never change. And friends, that's just the downright big truth of it all. Let's pray.
deep cleansing breaths from all the injustice, all the insanity, all the fear, all the worries, all the cares, all the viruses running wild, all the prejudices running like a virus. Teach us that our first reaction to the question, where does our help come from? That first knee-jerk reaction is, our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The big truth, the big constant, the big keeper, the big preserver, even when it doesn't feel like it. Allow us the courage to lean into it so that someday the doubt, so that someday the doubt becomes faith. And the faith becomes profound reality. In your strong, holy, wonderful name we pray. Amen.